can't get enough of the podcast? Lucky for you, our video IQ platform on adorebeauty.com.au houses thousands of articles on skincare, makeup, hair care, and more. Plus, you can find a heap of video tutorials, ingredient spotlights, and brand breakdowns on our YouTube channel. Just click on Beauty IQ in the menu bar of the website or app or search Adore Beauty on YouTube for more beauty content. Before we begin today's episode of Beauty IQ Uncensored, we acknowledge First Nations people as the traditional owners of the lands and waters of Australia. We recognise and pay our respects to elders past, present and future whose lands were never ceded. Welcome everybody to Beauty IQ the podcast. I'm your host, Joanna Fleming. And I am your co-host, Hannah First. Hannah, Mm -hmm. I actually have quite significant news to share. Yes. We're across it, obviously. (laughs) I'm across it, but oh, wow. I'll pretend to be really surprised. I know everyone in their heads right now is like, oh my God, she's pregnant. Oh my God, she's engaged. No, it's none of those things, (laughs) but it is big life news. I have resigned from my role at Adore. So after seven and a half years in this place, my time's come. It's just time to move on to other things. And that also includes this podcast. So as much as I have absolutely loved hosting this podcast with you, Hannah, and we've had the most fun and interviewed some people I never thought we would ever speak to. Like Chris Appleton is still like, whenever I watch the Kardashians, I'm like, I can't believe I've spoken to him. Like he's touching Chris Jenner's hair right now. What the hell? He was probably like the highlight of my career at Adore, I think. Yeah. Mm. Well, this podcast has been the highlight of my career, I feel. When we started it, it was just like we were just buzzing. Yeah, it was so much fun. And that was pre-COVID and then somehow managed to record the whole way through COVID even <laughs> though we were locked down for a really long time <laughs> and had nothing to talk about. But, yeah, I just wanted to thank the audience for tuning in. I still will be here next week and then we'll be taking a short break and the podcast will be back new and improved. You'll still hear Hannah on here and, look, I might pop in occasionally. You <laughs> never know. I might just... We miss you guys too much. TBC. Yeah, TBC. We'll see what happens. But I wanted to let you all know that that was happening because it's always a bit scary when things change. And I can assure you that Hannah will be holding down the fort and still bringing you amazing content and doing funny stuff. So don't fret. You don't need to unsubscribe. Sad. (laughs) No. (laughs) This episode goes live and then immediately all the stats drop. I hope not. I really hope not. I can't be that impactful. Anyway, what's on today's episode? So on today's episode, we are chatting about cervical screenings, or as Dr. Lucinda calls them, cervical screenings. (laughs) (laughs) That'll make sense when you listen to it. We also are chatting about hair extensions and of course the products we didn't know we needed. Today we have our resident GP, Dr. Lucinda, joining us to talk about cervical screenings. Welcome back to the pod. Hi there. Thanks for having me back. Now, I am interested to get into this topic because I don't know what the difference between a cervical screening and a pap smear is. So can you explain what the difference is and do we need both? Sure. So basically things have changed as you probably, that's Mm. why I saw you bringing it up, I guess, in the last couple of years where we're now getting requests to go for cervical screening checks rather than pap smears. And basically the difference is, is that cervical screening checks are for the human papillomavirus or HPV 
HPV virus, which is basically what causes cervical cancer. The pap smears, which we used to have, that one was checking only for cells on the cervix specifically that are abnormal and may develop into cancer. So two very different tests. You don't need to have both of them all the time necessarily. We only really go back to the pap smears now if you've had a specific type of abnormal cervical screening test or if, for example, you've had abnormal bleeding, uh, vaginal bleeding or abnormal pain where we're thinking, right, it's good to check for both the HPV and also look at the abnormal, if there's any abnormal cells as well. Mm-hmm. Big question. Is it cervical or cervical? <laughs> oh, that's going to be an accent thing, isn't it? I say cervical. <laughs> is that, sorry, is that the British way of saying it? It's the British pronunciation. Oh. It's like vitamin versus vitamin. Okay. Uh, who knows? I'm from Wales. I probably say things differently all over again. So. <laughs> oh. All right. Good to know. Good. <laughs> so pap smears used to be recommended every, I think it was every year I remember getting it. Was it every year? I think it's every two years. Yeah, two years. And now it's every five years. And what sort of the reasons behind that? Yeah, I think when that happened, I think we all sort of thought, oh my gosh, is this like a good idea? But basically, when you look into it, it actually makes a lot of sense. So first of all, HPV vaccine in Australia started in 2007. And actually, because of that HPV vaccine, there is a significant drop in the number of cervical cancer, which is incredible because it covers for more than 80% of the HPV strains that can cause cervical cancer. So that's already reduced dramatically. And it's really important to know actually how cervical cancer comes about. So with HPV, we catch it via sort of any form of skin-to-skin tongue tat, you know, intercourse, using sex toys, mucus, anything like that spreads the HPV. And actually our immune system is extremely good at getting rid of it themselves. Like sometimes it can get rid of it within weeks, months, and sometimes it takes years. Like the average time it takes to get rid of HPV is normally about one to two years. So when you do cervical screening tests, too commonly, of course, you're going to pick up HPV. And then you can cause unnecessary stress to someone and then potentially unnecessary investigations as well. Because the thing is, is with HPV, it actually takes about on average 10 to 20 years to turn into cervical cancer. So it takes ages. So if you've ever had like an abnormal cervical screening test or pap smear, you should never panic about when you're seeing the gyno because, you know, the chances are it's like it's going to take a long time, you know, to actually become cervical cancer itself. And actually, the majority of us, they found that more than 90% of us by the age of 50 will actually get a HPV virus and we'll clear it ourselves. Like only 0.75% of us of the people who get HPV actually go on to having cervical cancer. So it's all about managing risk whenever we're doing screening tests. And that's why it's really hard with lots of different conditions as to do we do screening tests for this or not? Are we going to cause more harm to the patient rather than good? So by doing it this way, you know, we know there's a lot less severe HPV around. We know it takes ages for it to actually turn into cervical cancer. And so we're actually preventing a lot of unnecessary tests and treatment and anxiety by actually doing this test every five years. And that's as long as you've got no symptoms, you're fit and well, there's no concerns, obviously. And I was going to ask a little bit about HPV because probably a majority of the age group listening to this podcast would have had that vaccination in high school. Hannah, did you mm-hmm. yep. have it in high school? I did. Yeah. 
So probably most of the people listening have had it if they were in Australia at the time. I don't know if it was done at the same in the same period worldwide, mm. but it doesn't mean that we can't contract it, right? Absolutely. It just kind of reduces your risk. Yeah. So HPV, there's, there's more than 150 types of HPV viruses. Oh. Yeah. Okay. There's so many of them, but only 14, of, 14, so one, four of them are considered to be high risk that can lead to things like cervicals, vulval, vagina, anus, mm-hmm. penis, head and neck cancers. And the most common vaccine that's used, the Gardasil 9, seven of those 14 high risk strains are within that vaccine. They're always mm-hmm. working on trying to get more of the high risk into the vaccine itself. And two of the low risk types that are very common for causing genital warts, for example, are contained in that vaccine as well. And, and they lead to more than 80% of genital wart causes. So, you know, overall, you're really covering the majority of the high risk and the ones that really cause a lot of grief for people. But still, obviously, there's other ones around that you can still contract. And that's why it's still important to go for your screening tests. Mm, I didn't realize that men could have it as well. I just thought it was women because we heard it when we were having the vaccine and I just assumed it was just us. Yeah. So it's quite rare for men to get sort of penis cancer, generally Mm. speaking, but they can still get genital warts and they're also carriers, you know, of Mm, having HPV, which is why thankfully they've introduced it for young males as well, which is really good. Mm. Okay. Interesting. So for anyone who hasn't had a cervical screening done, what should they expect from that appointment? So it could be done by a doctor or a nurse, first of all. Generally speaking, we sort of ask you to undress from the waist down, have a lie down on the couch. We've got this sort of plastic tube-like device called a speculum that we then insert into the vagina itself. Sometimes we use a little bit of lubrication or a little bit of warm water to help with the insertion of that. And that helps us to look at the cervix itself and actually when we do that test it also helps us to look at the vaginal wall and the health of the tissue because there's there's so many other things that you know is good to look out for like for example I do so much skin cancer work and you can get melanomas in your you know vaginal wall as well Mm. so when we're doing this test we're looking for all sorts of things any kind of abnormalities and on the cervix if there's any lesions at all or like abnormal growths abnormal looking mucus at all and then we take a soft brush or a swab in the cervix so just the opening of the cervix to then get the test done and then slowly remove the speculum itself and let you get dressed again the other thing is though i don't know if you've heard of the self-collected tests as well no no so it's a new thing that's been introduced earlier on this year we normally suggest it only if you absolutely cannot stand the thought of anyone doing this test or potentially like if it's really difficult if you're really remote areas basically Mm. but it can't be done at home you have to still come to the doctor's office to get it done and basically what it is is that you're using a swab yourself and inserting it sort of the majority of the way through the vagina to check then for the HPV like it's a very good test it's not as good completely well they're saying it may not be as good basically as detecting ideally what we need to detect and that's why we're trying to reserve it for only if that's the only option of you know that you, mm. you know that's potentially available and like I mentioned also with the doctor doing it or a nurse doing it we're also looking for anything abnormal there and not yeah. only just taking the sample itself but it's a really good alternative to have for sure mm. And if the screening results do come back abnormal, I know a lot of people panic about this. What are the next steps from there? 
Yeah. So with the test itself, you know, there's there's so many different results that can come from it. So it can say, right, so you may have grown this type of HPV virus, like the more higher risk ones, or another type, like a different type of HPV virus. So for example, if you've done your self-collected test, if it's grown the high, high risk ones, you go straight for something called colposcopy, which is where you see a gynecologist and they basically do the same test where they look, you know, use a speculum to have a look at the cervix. And then they've got these seriously magnifying binoculars, basically, Mm -hmm. to have a look in serious detail at your cervix, to have a look at any abnormal cells. They normally put like a little bit of a staining on there to see if any abnormal cells light up, might need to do a biopsy type of thing. If you, from the self-collected test, if you have like uh, the lower risk one, what they normally ask you then to do is go to your GP and get them to do the pap smear, basically, mm-hmm. to have a look at abnormal cells there. If, for example, you've had the test done by the doctor or the nurse and it's a cervical screening test, again, it's sort of a matter of, okay, what type of HPV has it grown? Do we need to just repeat the test in a year's time? Or do we need to send you off basically for colposcopy to see the gynecologist again? And those are kind of the options. And and like I mentioned before, the one where we're sort of, okay, it's fine, we'll just repeat the test again. It's because that's a lower risk one, lower growth, you're most likely going to get rid of that yourself. Like I said, the majority of patients will and hence why we don't want to put you through unnecessary stress and investigations, mm. seeing a gyno for something that actually would most likely clear itself. Like you can kind of consider HPV as the common cold of the cervix. Yeah, I didn't know that you could get rid of it yourself. I just thought you were stuck with that for your life. No, so you, you absolutely okay. can get rid of it yourself. And the majority of us do, thankfully, which is really good. Mm. It's also really important, I guess, to know what the test says, because majority of the time it will literally just say that, you know, you've got HPV it may or may not say that you've got like a intralesional growth and that doesn't mean that you've got cancer that mm-hmm. means that it's just a like some abnormal cells that are precancerous they have a higher risk of turning into cancer but you know if it's a low risk one of those again you can monitor whereas if it's a high risk one you need to go to colposcopy again mm-hmm. and then rarely from the test you know it will say that you've actually got cervical cancer very very rarely and that's more from the pap smear mm-hmm. you know if you're having to go and return and do that and same thing with if it says intralesional growth basically that's usually when you've had a pap smear done so it's really mainly a test to check have you got the virus that could lead on to it and then can we just monitor it again in the Mm -hmm. year or do we need to go for further investigations that's really the crux of it really well that was all very helpful information i feel like i might be due for a cervical screening test i've changed around a few doctors i think i'm due so maybe i can do a live recording (laughs) (laughs) from the gp thank you so much dr lucina for joining us once again no worries at all have a lovely day So today we're talking about hair extensions. We have Carla Lawson joining us. I have heard your name all over Instagram when it comes to extensions, Carla. So welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for having me on here today. I don't think we could have gotten a more qualified person to talk about hair extensions. Oh, that's great. Can we start with what the options are when it comes to hair extensions and which type is least likely to cause damage? Because I think that's a common maybe misconception that hair extensions always cause damage. Yes, you know, there's many types of hair extensions on the market these days, but it all depends on the client, you know, what they're looking to achieve. 
Um, several factors we take into account would be clients' density and strength of their hair. Um, also, how much hair they can conceal whilst installing hair extensions. We also like to discuss their lifestyle, cost, etc. Now, when it comes to extensions, we have anything from occasional wear to more semi-permanent. Now, in your occasional range, you would have your halos, your clippings, your ponytails. Then your more semi-permanent options would be your wefts, tapes, keratin bonds, etc. Now, one of the questions we always get asked is, does hair extensions damage your hair? And I always say it generally doesn't damage your hair if you keep up with the maintenance mm. and it's installed correctly. Mm-hmm. And I imagine there's a fair bit of maintenance that goes into hair extensions. So I assume you would communicate that to all your clients of like what the expectation should be when it comes to taking care of them. Yes, like this is super important. You know, there's a commitment when it comes to hair extensions. Your relift and maintenance services are every four to six weeks, four weeks being super fine and six weeks being maximum. Mm-hmm. And this is all about the health of the hair. You know, this is why we stay within those boundaries of four to six weeks. Mm. So if someone's never had hair extensions and they're, you know, doing it for the first time, what kind of questions would they be asking during the consultation? You know, I'd say if it's for the first time, you really need to do your research. You want to find a reputable salon, you know, someone that specializes in hair extensions, you know, look on their Instagram page, have a look at their befores and afters, you know, is there something on their page that you're looking to achieve for yourself? I always say a consultation is required. Make sure you go in with a list of questions such as what type of hair they're going to use, how long's the hair going to last, you know, application used. Discuss your lifestyle because you want the hair extensions to work for you. Mm-hmm. Also, you know, if it's a pre-coloured range of hair extensions, you know, matching hair extensions is really important mm-hmm. because it's going to give you that seamless and natural blend as well. Mm-hmm. How does that work with the colour matching? Now, it depends on what hair. Now, in our salon, we offer two ranges of hair. We offer virgin hair, which can be coloured to your specifications, you know, to your desired look. With the pre-coloured range, we have a customization where we can add two, three colours together and we can have it custom made to your desired look. And um, not every mm-hmm. salon has a customization. We have over 20,000 options available when it comes to color matching. So we'll always get that precise color. Mm-hmm. Wow. And on price, I just wonder what the expectation should be. If you're going to an experienced hair extension expert and getting quality hair extensions, how much would you expect to spend in Australia? We are a very high quality hair extensions and I've always based the company on high quality. So we are not a, a cheaper salon, if mm-hmm. I must say. Our prices start from anything from $1,000 right up to $10,000. Wow. <laughs> do you have people that spend ten grand on hair extensions? Yes. Whoa. Yes, we do because it's high quality hair yeah. extensions. Now, that is only our virgin hair, okay. which mm-hmm. generally lasts anything from two years plus. Mm-hmm. It can be coloured. So it basically comes in a raw ponytail and then it's all custom made here in Melbourne in our production house. Mm-hmm. And that's the hair that is the highest quality in hair extensions. And that's going to be your lowest maintenance hair and that's the most expensive hair. Mm. Man, if I was invoicing someone 10 grand for hair extensions, I would be stalking (laughs) them so hard after that appointment being like, what do they do for work? (laughs) How are they paying this? (laughs) Hair is just a part of a woman's identity. You know, it's what makes us feel amazing. You know, 
I always believe you've got to invest in yourself. And if hair makes you happy, it's going to be the biggest investment you will ever do. Mm-hmm. And I know that because I've been a hair extension wearer for over 20 years. So, you know, even just if my hair is not right, I'm having a bad day. So yeah. <laughs> hair is super important. You do. Your hair is amazing. Do you have the 10K option? <laughs> <laughs> Since you own the salon. (laughs) I actually don't wear hair extensions anymore. I do wear what's called a prosthetic hair system, which is bonded onto the top of my Mm -hmm. scalp. And we do offer this in our hair loss clinic in Port Melbourne as well. But again, these are very, very expensive because again, it's only virgin hair used and it's the highest quality. Okay, so people can come and see you if they're experiencing hair loss concerns as well. Yes, we do. As I say, we've got a hair loss clinic. So anything from hair extensions to enhance your natural hair, we go straight through to helping clients with all kinds of hair loss, full and partial hair loss. Mm -hmm. It's in our CR lab clinic. Okay, great. And how does your hair care routine need to change once you get extensions? Do you need to avoid certain shampoos, treatments, heat styling, or does it, I assume it depends on the type of hair you get? Yes, it does. It doesn't need to change an awful lot when it comes to your hair care routine. You should be on the correct products from the outset. Now, it's really important to use the correct shampoos and conditioners. We've worked with a brand called Orbe now for many years, and we've had proven results. Now, our go-to shampoo in salon is the Goldlust range. We love the Goldlust range. Fab. It's really hydrating on the hair extensions, mm-hmm. plus your own natural hair as well. So that's our, one of our favourite that we use. Using a heat protector is really important. You know, you can use any heat styling tools. We only offer human hair, so you're going to treat it like your own natural hair. So as I say, any heat styling tools can be used. Make sure they're below 180 at all times. Always keep them moving and always use a heat protector. My favorite is the CR Lab Milk Spray. It's really hydrating on the hair. Mm-hmm. Nice. So I think brides would be a big customer in terms of the hair extensions. Why do lots of brides choose them for their wedding day? You know, I feel with brides, they want that overall wow look on the day. It's a special day for mm. them. You know, sometimes their own natural hair can't enhance the look that they want. So this is where hair extension plays a big part. For me personally, I think the hair is just as important as the dress because it's something that you're going to look back at and go like, wow, my hair was fantastic. It was amazing on that day. You know, there's certain styles, again, that their own natural hair can't create. So with the hair extensions, you know, you can create anything that they are looking for. I usually recommend having a hair mm. trial before the wedding because often the inspo pick that you show your hairstylist, they'll be like, oh, they have extensions in. Definitely. And then you at least know before the day, oh, I'm not going to be able to yeah. achieve that kind of volume because I don't have that much hair. Yes, that's it. Majority of brides do wear hair extensions for their big day. And again, we offer anything from clippings to a more semi-permanent. So it really just depends on what they're looking for. Mm. My sister-in-law wore a halo for hers yes. and it mm. looked amazing. Like you could yeah. not tell. What's a halo? The one with the like plastic kind the of band. band. Yes. Yeah, around oh, and it's, yeah, yep. you put it in the top of the hair and it sits kind of here. Ah, uh, yeah. Yep, yep, a few yep. centimetres into your hairline. It looks really good. Can you imagine my hair with a halo on? 
I think you definitely <laughs> are not a candidate for hair extensions. <laughs> I want less hair. Yeah. Like I'll donate my hair to you, Carla. Wow. But I don't think yes. <laughs> I don't think you'll want it because it's so frizzy. Like I don't think anyone actually wants this hair <laughs> because it's so unmanageable. Like, yeah. Beautiful and thick. <laughs> <laughs> And I'm keen to know what the biggest mistakes clients with extensions make. Have you seen some horrible situations in your salon? You know, I'd say the biggest mistakes clients make is not using the correct aftercare. You know, this is Mm -hmm. super important when it comes to hair extensions. You can't just use any shampoos and conditioners. You know, you always should be recommended, as I say, the Orbe's being fantastic for us. And the uh, following the maintenance, your relifting maintenance, you know, Again, there is a commitment when it comes to hair extensions. And I'd say this is probably one of the biggest factors that we always say, make sure you follow that relift maintenance service because you just don't want to be causing any unnecessary damage Mm. to your natural hair. So I'd say they're probably the two biggest mistakes. Can you still use a scalp scrub when you've got extensions in, like if you have a weft in? Yes, yes, you can. Okay. Yeah. And do you recommend that? Yeah, you know, it depends on what their own um, scalp's like. Um, depends. Okay. And sometimes we may use like a serene scalp just to clean mm-hmm. the scalp. But you can use any products on the scalp. That's absolutely fine. Okay, great. Well, if I ever run into a spare 10 grand, that's I'm coming to you. <laughs> <laughs> Come down and see me in Melbourne. I'll look after you. <laughs> Thanks so much for joining us today. Thank you so much for having me. It's been amazing. Product we didn't know we needed, Hannah. Do you want to kick us off? So I am talking about Adore Beauty. If you didn't know, has some Adore Beauty brands. There's obviously AB Lab, but there's also just the Adore Beauty brand, and it's like kind of beauty accessories, gua sha's, tools of the trade. I think they're called. Oh, that's what they call it. Okay, that's what they're all called. Yeah, pretty sure. And they've got cosmetic bags, which I love. Their the cosmetics bags, Mm. but I have been trialing the. Oh, it is. Tools of the Trade seven-piece brush set. So I wanted to sort of give it a go and I actually am using the brushes every day. It's got seven brushes. My favourite's the foundation buffing brush and then also the domed bronzer brush. So I pretty, I literally use them every single day. I mm, put my makeup such on. Such good value this set. Yeah, it's $45. I think it works out to be like $6 per brush or something. It's, yeah, something really cheap. But the brushes, because I wanted to, before I spoke about them, I wanted to like be using them every day. And it's funny because you start, you add it to the kit and then you're like, because I do my makeup for work every day. Well, yeah, not every day, but most days now. <laughs> and it's funny because I just, I go for that foundation brush and the bronzer brush, love them, really mm-hmm. good value. They are like a premium quality synthetic bristle. I love them. I really, really, yeah, really love them. I'm just having a look at some of the reviews. Yeah. Someone said perfect set, best set of brushes, perfect for beginners, great price. And also it comes with a little makeup bag. Yeah. A little black makeup bag. So Mm -hmm. you can store them in there or when you travel. Yeah. They're great. Have you got them? Yeah. Definitely back that recommendation. Very affordable, very good quality brushes and they wash well too, Mm -hmm. in case you haven't done that yet. (laughs) No, I have. I use my Cinema Secrets. Oh yeah. Nice. So mine today is the Molten Brown Pink Pepper Hand Wash. Love. I was a little bit skeptical on Molten Brown because I thought it was more like, you know, a grandma's brand. Like that was my perception initially. 
But then I tried some of their products and I was like, hang on. so good. These are really good. They smell amazing. So I think it was the packaging that deceived me because it's not that like ultra modern. It's a little bit more classic, the packaging. So that was just my perception initially. The hand wash is $39. So probably around that same mark as like Aesop. This particular one has notes of pink pepper, ginger, jasmine, and patchouli. It smells so good. I love washing my hands with this. I sniff my hands afterwards because it smells so good. And I feel like it lingers on my hands Mm -hmm. too. So whenever I'm like doing things, I notice the smell of it. It's just so good. I honestly, instead of washing my hands upstairs, I come downstairs to the bathroom to wash them because I love love the smell of it that much. So I really, really enjoy this. It is 300 mils. And to be honest, you only need a Mm. tiny bit to get a good lather. So I don't think I'll go through this very quickly. I reckon it'll last probably six months. And then I had a secondary one because I got a delivery the other day of this heat pack (laughs) that I've become obsessed with. I'm wearing it like every day. It wraps around your whole body and it's got Velcro. I need that. The brand is Cozy. It's a small business, K-O-S-I. It wraps around and then it's got Velcro and sticks onto your body. So you've got a heat pack wrapping around your whole lower back and your tummy. That's what I need. And it's just it's so good. It's It honestly feels like you're being hugged. Mm. I absolutely love it. I'm addicted to it at the moment. So I felt like that had to be another PWD, KWN before I left. But they're my two today. I've given you two. I second Molten Brown. I had a hand cream mm. and my boyfriend was a bit hesitant. I was like, do you want to try using a hand cream at night? He was a little bit hesitant. <laughs> and then he put it beside his bed and then he pumped it out and he's like, Oh my, like he couldn't believe how good it smelled. Mm. And now he says he can't go to sleep until he puts his hand cream on before bed. He'll be so mad at me saying that. Where Molten Brown stands over here. Yeah, Yeah, (laughs) I know. And I remember I also had one of their body washes that smelled like next level and he would steal it from, like he would always steal it and it basically was all used. I didn't really get to use it. Their fragrances are are beautiful. So beautiful. So, yeah, don't be deceived by the packaging like I was. Do you know what they'd be really good for? Mum presents as well. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Mum, grandma, yeah. they'd love. So I have a little story to tell you. It's not beauty related mm. at all. Okay. <laughs> it's actually hiking related. Okay. You are going on a hike tomorrow. I'm going on a hike, two-night hike tomorrow, mm. and – Okay, this isn't going to – I'm going to start. Uh, it's it's basically Nick, my boyfriend, is very – he's obsessed with hackers and scammer YouTube videos. Like he watch – like I'll come in and he'll ha- be watching, you know, when they like trick the hackers and the scammers. Oh, the, yeah. Sorry. I thought you meant he likes to watch people – being scammed. No, he like when they like catch them out. He likes when they trick them. Okay, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I watch them on TikTok. Yeah, so he's in this like whole mindset of being scammed. Like he's just <laughs> and also like I don't know if this has happened to you, but I get so many scammer texts, calls, emails, same. Facebook my uh, like, what is the point of Facebook Marketplace if all you get asked is my sister doesn't have a bank account? Can I use Pay ID? Like I'm so sick, That's so annoying. She doesn't have a bank account, so you're gonna pay. It's I almost got duped because I started trying to sell stuff on Marketplace. I know about it now, so yeah. I think in our heads we're just like constantly bombarded with scams. So in his mind, he's just on yeah. edge about being scammed. Plus, he watches all the YouTube shows. Yeah. So the other day, I was on the train and I get a call a distress call, like he was distressed. It's his bit, 
Hang on, can we discuss the fact that Hannah was on a train first? I was coming home from work. Yes, Joe. people have to take the train home from work. No, I just, you would never catch a train. The Hannah that I knew. Yes, I would. You were the one that would would never never take the train. That's you, not me. I'm fine. (laughs) So I'm on the train and I get this distressed call, I think, because his biggest fear is being scammed. And he was like, oh, my God, someone's taken $80 from my account. What's like he was literally like, I've been scammed. No. Yeah. So he thinks 80. I'm like, it's okay. Just like put your card on hold. <laughs> then I get a text. He goes, What's I've looked up, I've looked up the company. It's a hiking food company. Like, so I've accidentally his credit card was saved on my Shopify account. Oh. So it was actually me scamming him out of $80. <laughs> <laughs> So, <laughs> poor guy, he's really living on the edge. So, so I said to him, I said, oh my God, I've never heard you like more distressed about <laughs> something. And he just said like, I can't believe the scammers had got me. Like I'm so careful about scams and they got me and I don't know. Yeah, but it actually was was me. But also to be that concerned about $80 as well, like some people get scammed like 10 grand. <laughs> well, I think he thought it was just the beginning of a bigger scam. Oh, like okay. that was just the yeah, that was right. just the first payment and he didn't yeah. know what was coming next. Like they might have <laughs> stolen his identity. Like he really gets <laughs> Oh, thank God it was just you. <laughs> it was just me. So he like was very relieved about that. But yeah, it was my hiking, all my dry. Hiking meals are expensive, by the way. I didn't know that hiking meals were a thing. What, do you just heat them up or something and put them over the fire? They're like dried. It's all like because oh. you've got to like hike with it all on your back. Yeah, okay. You just got to, you've got to bring like lighter meals. So it's all kind of yeah, like freeze dried. I've got like a what's it called? Risotto. So it's like a yeah, like a dry that you just add water to. Oh, okay. I yeah. see. Eighty dollars for two nights. No, I got it for the whole group. The oh, whole okay, group. yeah, right. Yeah, not just me. Yeah. yeah. Nice. Yeah. Well, it sounds delicious. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's not. Okay, actually, one more thing. I did yeah. on a hike. I bought these other meals, which I'll never buy again, and I cooked it up and it looked like vomit. And actually, it tasted Uh-oh. like vomit as well. And I ended up <laughs> I ended up having to – you're not meant to do this. I'm outing myself, but you're not meant to throw anything in the drop toilets. But what the uh-huh. hell was I going to do with all this vomit? So I actually yeah. just went – I had to drop it into the drop toilet. I probably – that was wrong, but couldn't you just leave it in the bush? It was vomit mush. No, because I think animals will come to the campsite if you do that. Oh, okay. Yeah, I didn't yeah. really know what to do and I couldn't eat it. I know nothing about hiking or camping, so I'm probably <laughs> the wrong person to be having this conversation. <laughs> like I've outed myself. It was you definitely not meant to do that, but look, yeah. it was like vomit. You'll be getting a I'll be a getting a call from, from Park Victoria. Exactly. <laughs> Well, Joe, no, is it we'll last week, week, next yeah, week? Yeah, last week, next week. Tia. Mm-hmm. So you'll get my last see ya at the end of next oh, episode. Oh, yep. <laughs> Thanks, everyone, for joining us today. Don't forget to subscribe and tell your friends. It helps other people to discover us. And also, we really want to know what you thought about this podcast. So if you can leave us a review, that would be much appreciated. Bye.